welcome back to the Shout Louder podcast. It's been a little while since we've done one, so I'm really excited to dive in today. I'm your host, Sarah Williams, and today's guest is Colin Clark from Colin's Punk Rock World. In the time that he's run it, Colin has become a real authority on underground and DIY punk rock. He's seen and recommended more bands than I can even fit in my head. He's got this absolutely incredible knowledge of all the underground punk rock, so that was why I was so excited to speak to him today. In the time that he's had Colin's Punk Rock World, he's built it up from being kind of a one-man operation, a small blog that was online, into something much bigger. He's now got multiple writers working for the website. He's also got uh, a record label, CPRW Records, who have been working to release charity compilations, partly to support and get the word out about all these great new bands, but also to donate to good causes with each release. It's He's one of the most positive, humble and dedicated people that I've met in the punk rock scene and I'm really proud to know him so I'm so happy to bring this podcast to you as well he's recently started his own podcast so I thought it would be a great time to get him on as a guest so that we can talk a little bit about the music environment in the pandemic we chat a bit about what it's like to not drink at shows um we talk about loads and loads of different bands gigs we've been to over the years uh, and so many different topics especially for us, we've got quite a similar perspective uh, and perhaps quite a unique view of the punk rock community in that we're both in the uh, massive inverted commas punk rock press. And I think, yeah, we've got a slightly different outside and maybe critical perspective of what's happening in the punk scene. But we're also, you know, we both agree that you should support new bands, support venues and support promoters as much as you can. Colin works really tirelessly to bring people up and to shine a positive light on the scene that we are so lucky to be a part of. This is a really interesting conversation. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. We've also got some great new music in there from Boss's Daughter, Fine and Great and Free Dogs, which Colin picked out because he particularly wants you to hear those releases. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy this. Let's jump straight in. This is Colin Clark. Hey, Colin. Welcome to the Shout Louder podcast. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Hello. <laughs> no, thanks for doing this. It's been um, it's been really nice getting to chat to people, even for podcast purposes. Yeah. It's like having real friends. Yeah, it's exactly why I started mine. It's just a reason to talk to my mates. <laughs> It's so odd not getting to see people at gigs, even if it's like, you know, you've got certain people you only see like two or three times a year. Yeah. But not having that even short time to catch up is so odd. Yeah, I think that's the thing I miss the most. You know, and I, I love going to see favourite bands and playing favourite songs, but it's just the interactions in the middle bits the people. You, I only ever really see at gigs because no one lives in Bedford. So <laughs> I've missed that just maybe more so now than I... Cause YouTube exists. I can see live bands, but yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's those little interactions. But also, I thought it's something as well. Like you and I wouldn't necessarily see each other that often in person, or nah. even necessarily get that long to chat. But if you're both seeing the same bands and going to the same shows, you also you have something in common. Yeah, and all of a sudden we don't have. It's almost like we don't have as much in common. Like our lives are more separate than they were when there were gigs happening. Yeah, that's that's probably a very good point and also quite a sad point. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bad place to start, isn't it? But, you know, everyone's li living these really like insular little lives in their own, you know, like I feel like my bubble was, you know, included people in London, in Portsmouth, in Belgium, whatever. And now all of a sudden my bubble is me and my housemate yeah. and my cat 
that's <laughs> essentially it. my bubble is me and Emma and then yeah. the people I work with because I still because I work in retail I've still been going to work yeah so you're you're a key worker aren't you you've been working uh, well. no I am really not I if I didn't <laughs> have to be at work I would not be at work <laughs> I'm not happy to be <laughs> there play. <laughs> no, I imagine it's been more busy in the pandemic. Um, how? So, paint me a picture. What's going on with you now? What's your little bubble looking like? Uh, well, me and Emma at home, and uh, that what you mean? So you're in Milton Keynes, Bedford, right? or Bedford, or is yeah, that sort of way. So how? I I know you so much through travelling to gigs at the New Cross Inn, which yeah. is you know tucked away in South London. How do you find it having to commute down there so often? Um, you kind of got used to it because the trains in Bedford. Like the best thing about Bedford, I always say, is that you can go to other places very easily because it's just in the middle of everything. <laughs> so it's only about an hour yeah. down to London, like North London, then maybe half hour, forty five minutes to New Cross itself. So it's not too bad. Yeah, that's not so bad. Because our train goes to London Bridge it as well. It still feels so. like a hell of a commute. It's worse yeah, coming yeah. back, I think, because you're just tired. On the way there, you're excited and going across, going to see your pals. And then obviously go see a good band. What I was saying the other yeah, day, of course. like when gigs are a thing again, I think it like initially it would be, yes, let's go to everything. But I don't know if we would go to things as regularly because we've realized how nice it is to sleep because we were sort of sleeping is great yeah we were probably <laughs> doing 50 gigs a year like last couple of years like and sort of say probably 45 of them were in london i also know that you have a spreadsheet for gigs don't you i do i haven't opened it in months it's really sad no i know so how many gigs do you think you did last year do you know i, th- I think it was about 55 christ so yeah. See, that seems low for your normal average, though. That's still only just more than one a week. I think that's about... That's probably my best year. That's fantastic. That's making me think now. Yeah, it must have been my best year. I had a silly year one year where I did... I don't know, there was the year before that. I don't know what happened, but I remember all of us were going to a hell of a lot of gigs for some reason. Yeah. In, like, 2018. Yeah, that was a busy year. And I, I think at that point I was averaging two or three a week or something like that which is mad looking back on it i think this year you get those people who go to a gig once a month yeah (laughs) and they think it's a lot (laughs) which it is i suppose but if you're not yeah as keen on it as we are but uh, i saw um you know you know theo don't you from who goes to new cross and every gig in london yeah of course like he's got a spreadsheet and i saw that and it was like yeah i don't go to any gigs (laughs) (laughs) there was also he has the advantage of he lives in London and I have to get on a train do you ever look back over your spreadsheets from past years and try and have a look and remember what you went through um well I have more I have a playlist on my uh, Spotify where I've like been tracking like every gig I've been to so I sort of stick that on and like that's like the good memories I've listened to that a lot this year just because like oh yeah I remember when I saw Call me Malcolm at Level Up Fest, or it's been good for my mental health just for these nice memories rather than just moping a lot because oh, gigs aren't a thing. That's a brilliant idea. I think having a playlist would be so helpful. I've almost, I've got something similar, but I've actually got a playlist of the things that I would listen to in a car or on the train on the way down to different places. So it's more that I remember yeah. what I was listening to at the time rather than what I saw. Okay, yeah. 
yeah which could be quite different as well like i listen to some strange genres now um <laughs> you know when you when, when you go to gigs do you listen on the way there do you listen to the band you're seeing or something else so someone once told me that that was really bad luck um and i don't really believe in luck but i've sort of stuck by it but yeah someone said to me that listening to the band before the show was bad luck in the same way that it's almost a little bit of a faux pas to wear the t-shirt of the band that you're going to watch yeah yeah so i tend not to but there are exceptions to that like you know you get some of those big nostalgia bands like bands from years ago i will go and like dive into the back catalog before the show um yeah i think when the descendants played in london a few years ago it would have been my first time seeing them and i just went through the whole discography because because i was so excited I remember seeing Descendants at, oh, was it like Kentish Town Forum or something like that? Um, it was yeah. the last London show that they did. Uh, it was the one that was supposed to be at Brixton got moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they played like a 33-song set with two encores. And I think they probably yeah, did the same thing. Ridiculous. They went, let's listen to our discography and then play all of it. <laughs> I yeah. can. But it was wonderful. Yeah, I can safely say that's the only band, well so far that I can think that would do two encores where I wouldn't think it was excessive. Like I was okay with two encores on that day. <laughs> well, a lot of their songs are so short though. So it's not, doesn't really feel like a whole song that like, okay, this is getting on a bit now. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't get bored at any point. I think some of my friends no. might have done. <laughs> yeah. I think cause Emma, Emma come with me. She's not a huge Descendants fan. Yeah. So she was a bit like, okay, we're going on a bit now. Like, no, this is the best. We're staying forever. So I wanted to ask a bit about some of the history of Colin's punk rock world. Um, and I know I've spoken to you about this before, but one of the ways I discovered Colin's punk rock world was one year, and this is when I was living down closer to London, uh, and I was going to lots of shows with my best mate Watson. And towards Christmas, he sent me an article of the top 10 gigs that you'd been to that year. And we were like, God, has this guy been stalking us? Like, how have I not met this person? He's been to every single show that I've been to. (laughs) And our top 10 gigs would have looked exactly the same that year. So I think it was after that that I started reading a lot of the stuff on your website. Um, But how did you first get started with it? Um, Well, I think in 2012, I did 30-odd gigs. And in my head, that was loads. I thought I'd done really well there. I was very (laughs) proud of myself. It's still pretty good. And I was talking to my friend Dave at the end of the year about it, and he was saying I should try and do 52 gigs the following year and, like, blog about it. And I was like, don't be stupid, Dave. And then he offered me a hug if I uh, got did it, so I thought, well, that'll do. <laughs> so I ended up doing that, started writing, managed to do all 52 with a week to spare. Impressive. And then got my get, get my hug a year later. And then... <laughs> So then moving on a little bit, like 2014, like especially like the first half of it, I think because I didn't have like any targets or goals left because that, that 52 gigs in that year took up so much of my life. Oh, yeah. It's, it's um, a full-time job almost. So, yeah, and I went through some like quite dark mental health stuff that, that we don't need to touch on too much because it will just bring down the podcast and this is a like, <laughs> fun, fun time. So... Yeah, so I thought I start. I start. I was still going to gigs, but not as often. And I started thinking about it. It's like the early times I'm like really happy at the moment is at gigs, and I wanted to give something back. So I thought, well, I don't. I don't play gigs. I'm not in a position to put gigs on. I can write about stuff, 
that it just sort of then Collins Punk awoke sort of born and sort of evolved from there. That's wonderful. And then I kind of, this was then June twenty fourteen. And then it's just sort of evolved from there and it's just been I think it has an old like tower up going over dramatic over the top of it. It's has changed my life a lot and made it a lot better. Yeah. Where I'm a lot happier and I've met lots of friends through it and yeah, I think how we start. when when talking to you and when reading what you write as well, you really get that sense that you're trying to give something back to the scene that's done so much for you. Um, I, th- I, yeah, yeah, I think that comes across really well. Um, strangely, that's, that's similar to my sort of story with Shout Louder, really. Like I felt, you know, I was going to a lot of shows and I felt really involved in many ways, but I, I wanted to be more active in it and I'm not in a band or anything like that. Um, yeah. And like we both love writing, don't we? <laughs> So yeah. it's almost a way to kind of flex that creative muscle without being directly musically involved. Yeah, because that's when I was just like that 2013, this was when I really learned about DIY gigs as well and like yeah. how promoters just like they have other lives and do other things and they're usually losing money. And I thought that's just, that's just their way of contributing. And I was like, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this DIY scene. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm not also, I'm not much of an extrovert. I won't, it's, it's, it takes a lot for me to go and say hi to someone. Absolutely. <laughs> so, this was, and like, ask, how can I be involved? But this was a way where I could be involved and sort of still just hide in the corner. Yeah, totally. Do you ever feel like going along to shows and reviewing them somewhat validates your experience a bit as well? Like, you feel like you're more involved when you're literally at the gig as well? Like, um,. I don't think so. No, just yeah. I don't. I think it's more of a, a habit now, as much as anything. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to word it for me, but I think it might have. Like, I think in a way, starting to review shows improved my enjoyment of gigs a bit as well, because I realised that rather than just being there and there being some noises, I realised I was almost like paying more attention to them. Um, and you and I are both similar in that we won't overly criticise a band. Because we're not no. in this to put anyone down, are we? You know. No, definitely not. Like my my like whenever like someone like joins up, I'm luckily have to have eleven people in my team now, which yeah, mind blowing. <laughs> I forgot this isn't a video, and I thought just did a mind blowing hand movement. <laughs> I'm sure everyone no saw it in their minds. <laughs> yeah, but um, and my sort of first thing I said like we only write about things we like. Yeah. Like I don't want it. Like say, oh, this is bad. Partly for me, especially. I'm not a musician. I could not do anything better than what anyone's doing. Exactly. There's so much negativity on the internet, and it's just unnecessary. Like, why would you spend time, your free time? Yeah. Um, like just writing about something you don't like when you could be spending that time writing about something you do like. Absolutely. Yeah. Focus on the positive. It just seems odd to me that people are always really. Oh, this is rubbish. This is the worst thing ever. But move on and find something you like. It's not hard. Well, it's the equivalent of standing at the back of the gig and going, oh, well, these guys are shit, which admittedly yeah. we've all probably done at some point, but it's not why you're there, Yeah, but is there's it? also there's someone in the room who probably thinks, this is incredible. Yeah. And you, and you shouldn't make them feel bad for something liking or liking something that you don't like. Absolutely. Like, that's a level of snobbery that I just don't think is, you know, as welcome in our our little community, so, you know? Yeah, so music is art, isn't it? And art's all subjective, so... Yeah. The only thing I'd say is that... So, 
when I was growing up, I used to read, you know, Kerrang! Rock Sound Enemy and stuff like that. And when I'd go to the reviews section at the back, I would always zone straight in for the zero star or one star reviews because I knew that they'd be funny and they'd be scathing. And I used to find that really funny and interesting. And as a writer, I, I do like writing that sort of thing. But I'm like, if I don't like something, why would I waste my free time listening to it and then trying to pull it apart like i just it doesn't seem like a a productive use of my spare time right no definitely not yeah. no i mean i guess if you're paid to write for like like say kerrang or rock sound or something then it's a bit different but yeah. like, like i don't earn money from doing colin's front world sadly no. um <laughs> if anyone wants to pay me to do it that please do but do you ever find people think that you do get paid for it uh i don't think so no no, no one's ever said, oh, how much are you earning? I've had people who thought I got paid. Wow. I, I've definitely had people ask me how much I'm earning, um, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know, I put money into it. Uh, it doesn't come back out to me. Yeah, I would definitely say <laughs> Colin's Punk Rock World has cost me money. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I suppose with the like blog structure that a lot of people would use outside of what we're doing, it's advertising, isn't it? People have paid advertising on their pages. Um, yeah. I pay money to remove the ads from my page so that no one reading wow. it has to endure the adverts. Yeah, we've just not, don't put them in because when they just look horrible on the page and exactly, I kind of feel bad profiting on other people's work. Like they are banned, spent thousands of pounds in a studio to record and like put stuff out. Then it's not that I'm just writing a few words about it. I should, I feel like I should definitely not profit from that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I I completely agree. <laughs> it's it's odd that sometimes people think that we do, and I've seen certain challenges from people online who think that you know bloggers or what you know whatever we want to call ourselves are out there just to get more views, and we're not. We're out there because we want to no. help the bands, really. Um, no, if anything, my in... views have dropped dramatically over the last sort of year or so. So <laughs> same, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it. So you do the majority of your promotion through Facebook. Um, and that, yes, I think for me, I've found that's really dropped in recent years, kind of as they've tightened up the algorithm to deprioritize pages. It makes it quite difficult for smaller blogs that aren't paying for oh, advertising. 100%. Yeah. But, you know, 100%. When I, like, when I first started out, I was chuffed that 10 people had read it. So I'm. Even yeah, exactly. Yeah. I. I get frustrated when I see a review I've worked really hard on has like 10 views. But, and then also I'm like, well, if 10 people have read that, hopefully at least three or four of them have gone away and thought, oh, I'll check this out. And I've hopefully liked it. And that's, if I can get one person to like a band, I'm happy. Absolutely. And I've, you focused a lot on bands that are really, really unheard of, like bands who have really small, like, you know, 65 Facebook likes or something like that. And I love that. They're my (laughs) favourites. But I honestly think that Colin's Point Right World is one of the best places to find some new music to listen to. It's brilliant. You're always putting up up and coming. There's so many bands that I've never heard of. that come out through Collins Punk Rock Thanks. World. I do spend so much time on Bandcamp. Tell me a bit about your team. My, sorry, my team? <laughs> yeah, tell me a little bit about your team. Individually or? <laughs> well, how did you first start growing a team? Um, I think I just literally just put like a, uh, hey, does anyone else want to write for Collins Punk Rock World? Just give me, help me out. I really, I really regret calling it Collins Punk Rock World now <laughs> that we have more people who aren't called Colin. Uh, Have you considered asking them to yeah. change their names? 
I haven't. You could have a small army Maybe of Maybe I will. It'll get confusing at home with Emma, though, if we both get the set post. <laughs> Although we're not married, so that's fine, actually. Um, yeah, so I think the first person to write for us and sort of st- stay on was uh, Dan Peters, cool. who was, had his own blog, and but um, like he couldn't really stick up with it full time, so he just wanted to like just chip in bits here and there. And so I thought, yes, join her. The band's been with us for ages. And Emma joined and... Along the way, we've got Omar and Robin and Brett from South Africa. Uh, who else we got? Richard. Uh, Dan number two. Marcus. <laughs> definitely going to forget someone. Chris, who is Vinyl Systems on Instagram. Cool. I've definitely forgotten someone. <laughs> I'm going to feel bad. Not to worry. I'm sure people can go and have a look at the actual yeah. website if they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all got profiles on there to sort of, and we sort. Of, I, I do my very best to make sure people know if someone else has written something, it's not me because yeah. I don't want to take credit because they're all much better writers than I. Am. <laughs> I think it's it's really nice. It is difficult sometimes because you see, you know, it's got Colin in big letters on it, but I think most yeah. of the regular readers know that there's a huge number of people behind it. Like the fact that you've got eleven people uh, involved is amazing. I'm so lucky, and they're all the loveliest people as yeah. well. Like I do, like I've I've met like in, in like real life uh, probably half of them maybe, yeah. and but they're all just feel like just best friends. It's, it's, we have like a nice little group chat on the on our Facebook. It's always good fun. Oh, amazing! I've been I've been so lucky. <laughs> We've all started doing the podcast with us, and we've had some really good chats on there. Yeah. So. Carlin's Point Rock World's grown recently to include the CPRW Records as well, which sounds like a record label, but yes. isn't your traditional record label, is it? So t- tell me a bit about that. Okay, uh, well, we did uh, to celebrate five years uh, last June, June 2019. I thought it'd be nice to um, put out just a little comp featuring loads of bands that we have featured regularly and have become friends with. And we put it out to raise money for Mind as well, because Mind are a charity that are dear to my heart and are dear to a lot of people's hearts. Absolutely. And that small comp ended up being 125 songs. <laughs> oh, I remember. It was massive. Which was a bit ridiculous. And from that, I was like, okay, we'll do one and done, because I, like, I hate dealing with emails and stuff like that, and it was a lot of work, because <laughs> I, I didn't really know what I was doing and I was wigging it a lot, which is... Essentially, the story of Colin's point what world, just winging it <laughs> and seeing what happens. Um, yeah, from then I was talking to our, our, our friend uh, Paul Smith, uh, B Sharp, uh, punk rock legend in the UK now, I think, at Good this old point. Paul. Hopefully, he won't hear this and hear that because that will only feed his ego. His ego even doesn't more. need feeding. <laughs> no, definitely not. But, um, so yeah, I was talking to him. I was like, oh, I might do another one. And he was like, oh, yeah, it'd be CPRW Records. And I was like, yeah, and then I spoke to Emma about it, and she was like, "Are you sure?" She was a bit like, "Is this a good idea? Is this going to be a lot more work?" Then I told her she could do the artwork, and she was on board. Nice, yeah. Because <laughs> like Emma's Emma in real life is a, a graphic designer, a very very good graphic designer. And yeah, so then we've just put out smaller comps this year for different charities. Including what have we done? Uh, we've done Crisis. There was Fair Part. Fair, fair Share. Yeah. Yeah, what's um, the latest one? Oh. The recent one is uh, Emma and Robin actually did. Uh, it was called uh, To the Front, and that was raising money for Imkan. So and that comp featured uh, uh, bands featuring uh, punks of color, or people of color, 
uh, LGBTQ plus female and non-binary members. Brilliant. So basically, it's focusing on bringing a more diverse audience in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's so many amazing bands out there that aren't just straight white men. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of the record label, so you've sent me a few tracks that you'd like to share with everyone. I haven't heard of any of these bands. I haven't listened to any of these oh. songs, and that excites me deeply. So I'm excited to hear oh, what that... you come up with. Oh, I could have picked anything. What did I pick? I forgot. Uh, I did it in a rush. So there's um, a couple of things. Uh, Boss's Daughter was the first one that you went for. I, I, pick, I picked that one because of its name. Because one of the things we're playing and talking about Drunken later, Smiles. Just be quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that would just be a, quite a funny thing to put on. Yeah, but that's on our uh, the first comp we put out under the CPRW record banner, like properly. There's about like just the community and the punk scene and what a wonderful thing it is. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so yeah, that's that one. let's give that a play then. So this is Boss's Daughter with Drunken Smiles. was drunken smiles by boss's daughter you've put in the perfect segue into a topic we wanted to discuss there haven't you <laughs> I'm, I'm a professional you, you can tell you've started a podcast now you've really nailed the process here it's perfect i've just been listening to her a lot more because <laughs> of uh, lockdown because we haven't had as much to do oh so. same i've been listening i've not really been listening to punk rock podcasts though i've been weirdly listening to a lot about economics but okay. that's me i, I like to learn yeah. things um, I've been enjoying uh, the Krista Max. Uh, Krista makes a podcast. Uh, the singer from Less Than Jake's got his own podcast where he literally picks, gets a, someone from a band and goes through uh, like a song in every minute detail. And it's really, really like if you only listen to one, listen to the Bill Stevenson yeah. one. It's just, it, I mean, you might come away in tears, but it's possibly the best podcast I've ever listened oh, to. Oh, brilliant! That sounds great. I'll have to give check it out. 
I, I think a few of our friends have popped up and started doing podcasts over lockdown. Um, do yeah. you know, I remember a meme going around back in March when it first happened. Uh, and it was just like, okay, if you are a 35 year old straight white male, do not start a podcast right now. But actually I'm fucking glad that everyone has. It's been like, just, it feels like I've got my uh, friends in my living room and it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. That's why the reason I love listening to the shout louder podcast because <laughs> we don't get to see you that much. So it's like, oh, Sarah's around. It's strange actually, because sometimes, um, you know, back when we could actually travel places, I'd turn up and people would be like, oh yeah, it's good to hear that this is going on in your life. And I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> oh, right. I talked about it publicly. That's how. Shit. <laughs> I need to like edit myself maybe, but maybe not. You know. Some of the stuff that you've come out with on your podcast, I was like, I'd be embarrassed to talk to you about it. I'd blush. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a little bit different now, which again, slightly uh, segues into what we were going to talk about. So currently, neither of us drink. Um, and so we're you've got years of experience of going to gigs not drinking. Uh, and I've been, yeah. I haven't really spoken about this too much publicly, but I've been not drinking for a bit over a year now. So I've done quite a few gigs in that time as well. And it's a bit of a, it puts you in a different pocket of people to a lot of the people at shows who are absolutely wasted. Um, but tell me a bit about that for you. You've, you're, you've never, you've never really been a drinker, right? No, I've, I've never drunk alcohol in my life well ever. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. Do you want me to start like at the very beginning? If or? you like to, whatever you feel comfortable with and then I'll, uh, um, well, no, I mean, I, I've, I've written about this on my blog. I'm happy to talk to anyone about it now. It's just it's the past is is what is part of what I am, I suppose, what I've learned and what I've grown up as. Um, but yeah, so in my, I won't say who in case of, I mean, it's unlikely they're going to listen to this because they're not in my life anymore. <laughs> but just in case, I won't say who, but a member of my immediate family when I was a kid yeah. was, I don't know if I'd say alcoholic because I don't think he'd, or they, they'd ever admit to um being an alcoholic themselves but they were very very like very heavy drinker and that would make them basically be a very bad person they were unpleasant to be around yeah yeah and that's made me sort of growing up around that made me just not want to drink yeah, absolutely I think I realized this when I was writing this article last year like I think that's that paid a big like um part in my me growing up and my social skills and because i like obviously when you sort of get to 17 18 everyone all your mates they just went out and get drunk yeah it's quite strange actually isn't it i yeah i found it really tricky around that time as well because i actually didn't start drinking until i was 18 but all my friends started drinking when they were like 14 um and i remember finding it really uncomfortable <laughs> So I was quite lucky. Like my my main group of friends who I grew up with, none of us like they all drink, but there were their their whole thing wasn't oh we must go and get drunk all the time. We were more than happy just to hang out at one one another's house and play yeah. computer games or do silly things like that. But then sort of they went all they all went off to uni, and I didn't. So I had like found myself in another group of friends, and they're like, for, to be honest, they, they were nice people. But I really only really hung out of them because there was some to play football with, and I didn't really have <laughs> many other friends to do that. Yeah. But their whole like thing was every Saturday night, often on the Friday, it's like, oh, we must go out and get completely wasted. Yeah. This is the end end all of our lives at the moment. 
yeah, I kind of drifted away from them in like the winter times because we weren't playing football. So I never really saw anyone. But then I sort of fell into another group of friends. And through them, I've sort of gradually got more comfortable with like going to the pub and stuff. And like, obviously, I'd just have a Pepsi or a Coke or whatever. Yeah. But, and they sort of, they didn't, they're like, being all end or wasn't just to go out and get drunk. It was just have a social drink and. Yeah, so you start to meet those kinds of people who are able to have a bit more of a sociable drink. And how did how did you find that mixed in with you going to gigs at the time? Oh, at the time I wasn't really going to gigs, like because a lot of it, when I like Colchester, I lived in Colchester, and we didn't get that many no <laughs> big gigs because because um, like we're like basically between Norwich and London, so the gigs were there. Yeah, when like a big because I wasn't overly familiar with the small sort of DIY scene at the time. I and like I was quite lucky. Oh. I had quite a similar experience in a way because I lived um, in the same part of. Well, I was a lot closer to Norwich, but I was, um, you know, like in the country. Well, I was in a small town, like not far off Norwich. So if I was going to a gig, I'd either go to Norwich or I'd go to London. Basically, um, yeah. London was a fair trip from there, but you know, it did occasionally happen. But I was lucky that we had, we had, um, I don't know, a couple of. This was a really shitty small town right um but we did have a venue called the brewery which was this industrial unit it wasn't a brewery it was just a weird gray metal hole with a sound system that was way too big for the space and used to you'd come out and your ears would hurt for days it was horrible um and there was like a pool table in the back and there was another venue that was really scummy but i think they'd let underage kids in and the same the brewery would serve you underage so i remember a lot of my friends gravitated to those spaces and i was going because i wanted to see the music but they were all going because they wanted to drink snake bite and throw up on themselves um and it's a bit odd because at that time in my life when i was you know um not yet 18 i really didn't want to drink and i remember just being a little bit not embarrassed but a little bit confused by the actions of some of my friends around me. Like I remember yeah. my mate, Simon, we went to, we, uh, yeah, we went to a gig at the brewery and I can't remember what it was. It was like a DIY show, but I didn't know what DIY was at the time. I just thought at the time, I thought that the amount that you paid to get in equated to the quality of the band, which is completely wrong. Um, but you know, you yeah. pay like two, three quid to get into these gigs and it would just be messy. And uh, yeah, we'd gone to this show. Simon had drunk like a load of bells whiskey and he, couldn't really make his own way home uh so his girlfriend's mum picked us both up and simon was wearing like a lumberjack shirt and in the back of the car as it started moving he had to throw up so he opened the pocket of his lumberjack shirt and vomited into the pocket of his shirt as if that and i just remember looking at that and being like i do not want to be that guy i do not want to be that person um (laughs) You know, I'm sort of sat there. I've been drinking lemonade all night. And I'm just like, oh, well, this is weird. I don't understand. Uh, obviously, I've then gone and probably done much worse than that myself. But <laughs> there we go. Um, I hope Simon yeah. is listening to this and he's now going to, everyone who knows him is going to know that story. <laughs> I think they do already, to be honest. I I, um, I may have mentioned yeah. that story at his wedding. So <laughs> um, Nice work. But yeah, it's... I think for me, I I moved to London when I was 18 and that was when I started drinking because I also, I straight away got a job in a bar and at the bar, 
I say I'd felt really uncomfortable drinking before. I think I'd had like one can of Fosters and thought it was disgusting. And that was about it. And then, uh, yeah, I started drinking when I was 18. Uh, I was working in a student union bar where doing tequila behind the bar was a pretty standard thing. Um, but the odd thing about that time in my life, even when I was starting to drink quite heavily, I still used to go to gigs, but I had this real insistence that whatever happened, if I was at a gig, I would not drink. Like I'd have nights off to go to shows specifically not to drink. And that was because going to a gig, I didn't want to be like, um, you know, a wreckhead who's getting blackout drunk and not remember anything. I wanted to go see the fucking band. That was the most important yeah. thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I do like, I worry sometimes I found preachy about this, but it just it, like, when I see people getting drunk at drink, uh, gigs and I'm just like, and then the next day they can't remember it. And I'm like, well, what was the point in paying? Why did you get drunk? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, on the end of that, you tend to, rem you, you know that you had a good time, but you just don't know exactly what happened. Um, I think I could never do Collins Prank Rock World if I was getting drunk at every gig I went to. Because I'd never write a gig review again. When I started reviewing gigs, I was definitely using reviewing as an excuse not to drink. Like, because um, I've still even though I have gotten very drunk at shows, I still maintain that mentality that I'm there for the music, not for the rest of it. I mean, yeah. it can be different. Some, you know, obviously both of us go to shows because we want to see everyone and catch up with them. But I, yeah, I, I really want to be able to remember the bands like so badly. Um, but for me, uh, I, I had to stop drinking because I was drinking far too much. You know, it wasn't healthy for me. And I've been on that roller coaster for a few years. I remember... I think it was 2011, maybe 2011, 2012, 2013, a year. I went to Reading uh, and I'd stopped drinking and uh, I went to Reading Festival sober. And that was one of the strangest experiences of my entire life. How how do you find it? Because you've, you've done plenty of festivals without drinking. Uh, oh, I'm um, not really too bad because a lot most of the especially now most of the festivals we get to go to are like diy festivals oh, of course yeah and it, i find that crowd is a lot more they are there more so, as much for the music as getting drunk or absolutely anything like that so it's just no no i mean most people i mean i'm quite lucky now like i can go to mpf and just i like i'm the sort of person who runs around, tries to see as many bands as humanly possible. Yeah. But whatever... <laughs> so I'm often just walking from place to place by myself. But I'll go in a room and just see a friend. Yeah. And it's like, though, because I'm, I'm lucky that I, I do have a lot of friends in this scene now. So it's never really an issue about me not drinking at festivals because they know I don't drink. They don't care. Yeah, no one is going to push it on you. Yeah. Like, big... Like, it's not like Slam Dunk, which... Some, like, sometimes they get really good bands. Uh, but as a festival, it's a horrific festival. Yeah, yeah. As an event, like they have the people going like um, with like running around with like the shots, saying, "Hey, get get have our shot, get drunk." And I, I, that's when I feel a bit like, "Sorry, no, I don't drink." I was like, "Why do I have to tell you I don't drink?" I just that's that's what I find with bigger festivals more like you're encouraged to get drunk more. Definitely, which I find odd. I think well, it's almost like it's a central part of it, I suppose. Um, yeah. Uh, from a drinking perspective, when you go to a bigger festival or you go to somewhere like, say, Punk Rock Holiday, where it's like literally middle of nowhere in a field, you sort of do it because, 
actually, do you know, I think drinking is almost less of a thing than possibly like drugs as well. Like, you know, yeah. it's it's harder doing drugs in a venue than it is to do drugs in a field, right? So people use that as a free space where they can act differently and they can do yeah. things differently and they can be more free about activities that are illegal and damaging. You know? um, yeah. So- I think like with outside fest- outdoor festivals, there's a lot more of like, there's a, uh, like a feeling of he- like hedonism as well because yes, it yeah. is because uh, there's no walls it's like metaphoric there are no walls literally yeah <laughs> we can do what we want <laughs> but i think it's equally you know it's still f- it almost feels though that if you're going to that kind of hedonistic environment that drinking or taking drugs is an important part of that but do you know what it's really not you can still go along and have a bloody great time without it i actually i've never done punk rock holiday we were supposed to go of this course, year I know, yeah. but then this, this year happened and... fuck this year <laughs> So yeah, but but I would I was really looking forward to that. But well, like I've been I went to Booze Cruise in Hamburg last year, and the festival is literally called Booze Cruise. Yeah. And I was a bit like, oh, am I am I gonna get pressured into drinking? But because it was a DIY festival, and again, and it's with a bunch of Germans who had and the stereotype for German people is they like a drink, <laughs> not as much as the Brits. Which, <laughs> well, apart from me, but to be fair. The, the the people there did like a drink, but at no point did I ever feel like pressured or like feel bad because I wasn't drinking. That's good. That's really was, like, good. quite a nice feeling to have. Like if I, I I big up booze cruise all the time. If you ever if you, if it, if we can ever do things again, like try and go to booze cruise in Hamburg. It was just an incredible. That festival. was actually one that I had on my list for this year for the first time, but obviously yeah. got scrapped. Well, the lineup they had was ridiculous. It was like hot water music and the Menzingers Spanish love songs. Like So good. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> and, and Captain Arsenal, who I was most who excited I for still I love really that band so much. Like, you've bigged them up so much that I need to go and see them. Um, but yeah, I think that it can be very different going to a festival being sober, but do you know what? It's so much better. Like, so, so, so much better. You see all the bands. You remember everything that happens. You have really good conversations that actually go in two directions rather than just you thinking about yourself. Um, And you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like absolute trash. It's brilliant. Um, That's what I was at the point I was going. Obviously, I've never been hungover, so I don't know. But I know, like, I I can get up for a festival and get some breakfast in me and I'm good to go for another 12 hours. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. But I was sort of speaking to people who have been drinking. they're ropey and it's just not as fun i genuinely think that i think even though i've been i've felt like that before like i'll say right now if my housemate goes and gets really trashed and in the morning he like can't move i can't even fathom how bad he feels i can't remember what it felt like completely like and i know that it's awful and you just push through it and it's you know i used to feel proud of myself for pushing through it but i really don't anymore like that reading that I went to years ago, I was with three people and they were all drinking really heavily. And my main memory of it is that I got up earlier than they did. I watched, I went and watched the first band. I was there right through to the last band. I, I was constantly seeing music, really enjoying myself, having a wonderful time. And actually they really didn't look like they were having as much fun. Like, yeah, they, they saw some bands and they got really drunk and they had a good time with each other. But I just... I feel like a lot of the time they felt like crap and, you know, they, you know, even when you're drinking, you're, you're 
cold and your hands cold because you're, you're holding a can and like it's raining and you know it's just it's, it's not always that great a feeling i think it's really glorified um obviously i've got zero judgment to anyone who is drinking you know yeah I, i've i've drunk more than most people in a very short space of yeah. time for me i kind of my sort of look at like if you want to drink cool just just don't be that person who tries to push it on someone else if they don't want to. Yeah, 100%. Because I don't go around saying, oh, you shouldn't drink, it's bad. It, absolutely, Anything. right? <laughs> you know, I'm not going up to people and going, oh, well, actually, I think I think you might have had a few too many. Um, but, you know, I do sometimes have it pushed on me because of, of you know, obviously people know me for drinking as well. Um, but I just, I think it's really enriched my life being able to, do gigs without it and have a better time um good do you ever feel awkward though like at, at gigs or do you think it, like say if you're at new cross i imagine you're probably okay but do you ever feel like you're yeah. on a different level to some of the people around you uh, probably not as much now i think the, the worst one is if you're out and like if you're talking to someone who you don't know and they're like oh do you want a drink and a lot of the times i just sort of say no thank you because yeah. I don't want to drink, and I don't. But, and they're sort of saying, "I'll oh, come and I'll get you a beer," and I'm like, "But I don't drink." And then there's like the they look at you as if you've said something offensive. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Do I?" And then you get the the next question, which I really, really hate, which is, "Why don't you drink?" Like, yeah, it's none of your business. I mean, because I was at work the other day talking to someone, like one of the girls who were working on the checkouts, and, and they were like. Uh, I think I was actually buying some cider for Emma. Yeah. Just Emma does drink. Um, and they were like, oh, is this for you having a party tonight? Like, no, no, no. And I just happened to say, oh, I don't drink. Because I don't know, just making conversation was probably yeah. my mistake there. But um, And they were like, <laughs> no, oh, why don't you drink? And I was like, all right, we know each other. But that's still kind of a rude question to ask someone. Yeah, it is a little bit, like, well, I, I just didn't know how to respond because... Rather than just, I, I don't, because I felt like I should give a proper answer. It's a very personal question to ask someone. Um, and the thing is, it comes from a place of genuine curiosity and wanting to know, but it's... Oh, yeah, I don't think it was, they meant any offence. No, definitely, they didn't mean offence by it, of course, but I was like, well, I could tell you, because I'm not ashamed to say what the actual reason was, but it just, I know it all can make people, oh, yeah, if I just say, like, family issue, or it's just that will then make the conversation even more awkward. That introduces all these extra questions, and for me, like yeah, I, I my kind of stock answer is I've drunk enough in the last ten years to last me a lifetime, you know. But I've I've genuinely yeah. had people where I've just gone like, well, I've had people push me on it, and then try and get me to have a drink, and then you know ask me to explain why. Uh, and you know, I end up just going to people. Look, I'm a I'm a fucking alcoholic. Like, leave leave me alone. <laughs> Stop asking me questions. It's it can, it can come from a lot of different directions, but also it should just be completely okay to not want one. Yeah, you know, one hundred percent. If someone says sorry, I don't drink, that should just be the end of the of the conversation. Unless they want to talk. But, okay, about fair it, enough. And, unless they want to discuss it and bring it up, you know, I'm I'm totally yeah, happy yeah, yeah. chatting about it, but I always feel like there's pressure to alcohol is the only drug where people will question you for not taking it 
Yes. You know, everything else, it's like, okay, you don't want to smoke. You don't want to smoke weed. Whatever you're doing, that's fine. You know, you don't want to take heroin. Great. Good on you. But if it's alcohol, yeah. people are like, what's wrong with you? What? Yeah. I don't get me wrong. If like someone wants to talk about me not drinking, and if it's in the right environment, I'm more than happy to do oh, so. Oh, same. Yeah. But like, the, I wrote this article last year on uh, Collins Prank World. And I posted that. Then I was at uh, New Cross uh, that weekend, maybe the weekend after. It was a for level up fest. I won't say who I was talking to because that's probably not fair. <laughs> but like we we had a good sort of half an hour chat about not drinking and like how it's like piece someone in their family has like alcohol issues. Yeah. Or it was in fact it wasn't even that they had alcohol issues. It was that they didn't drink and the type of person that that's made them. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I can't say who it was because that would be mean, but um, unfair. But <laughs> so, so I'm always happy to talk to people about not drinking if it's like the right environment or the... Totally. And I think not... neither of us would preach at someone either. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, that's not what it's about. Because like I said, I don't appreciate being preached at No. for not drinking. I think so. one of the things that I really love one of the reasons i asked if you sometimes feel a little bit different from the people around you it shows is that i find that no matter what level you're on you know whether you you're smashed whether you've had a couple of drinks or whether you're not drinking at all beyond that if a band is really good and you've got that vibe in a venue and it's just like everything's unifying and you've got that energy from the musical working together i feel like no matter what's in your system you guys are all on the same level at the same time if you're enjoying yeah. that band i had that um, I went to see hot water music last year and before the show I'd met up with a few friends at a bar and then there were cocktails and things like that and throughout that I wasn't drinking and obviously I'd seen them get sort of progressively merry over the day and they were all having a great time um, you know but when the band are actually playing when hot water music were on, we were all on the same page completely and it it's yeah. almost like the music itself removed any awkwardness that I could have felt like so certainly it shows I'm great when the band's on I'm in absolutely in the zone I'm feeling really good everyone else is on the same level as me you know I, I'm quite happy to go down the front and have a laugh as well even if I'm not pissed like yeah just the music kind of erases all of my worry about stuff like that and oh, just oh yeah. god I miss live music I think <laughs> yeah I think like I could say with New Cross more so for my experience like because it is like, New Cross is obviously sort of South London it's not in like a trendy part of London no so I think the people who go there, they are more, they're there for the music. Absolutely. They're not there because it's a night out. No, they've gone. That you might get in like. They've travelled to get there. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, shall we play some more music? Because I'm getting sad about missing live music now. So we've sure. got a couple more tracks. The one that you'd picked out for us was Fine and Great. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, that's, um, okay, that is, um. Because we that's got almost a good segue if it wasn't ten minutes ago we were talking about them. But uh, Manu from Captain Arsehole, that's his other band. Oh, cool! He started. Uh, they literally started this year, and they're more of like an emo sort of pop punky sound rather than like the Ca Captain Arsehole, more like a gruff punky yeah. sort of pop punk. So, still pop punk. It's all pop punk. Pop punk's the best. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's his band with uh, Toonie, who was in a band or oh, it's in a band called uh, call it a comeback yeah. and i've forgotten the name of their drummer but he's in a, a band called kickback or like german sort of scene all in nice. berlin because i i've been on like i think after going to booze cruise last year and then 
planning on going back this year. I've been on a proper kick for German punk bands. Brilliant. And they're all amazing. So, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Germany is a bloody good place for punk, actually. Um, brilliant. Okay, well, let's play a bit of that then. So that was, well, this will be fine and great with Three Sheets to the Wind. <laughs> Three Sheets to the Wind by Fine and Great. Uh, so something we touched on, um, both being of what we could call the punk rock press, if you like, whether that's through podcasts or blogs. Yeah, big inverted commas being used by both yeah. of us there. Um, it makes me laugh so much when someone refers to me as press. I know, right? I, I don't think of myself I got offered press. A, I got offered a press pass for a show once and I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just a man who writes a blog in his pyjamas. 
I mean, I'm not like I, I don't tend to ask for press passes, but if they're offered, I will totally take them. Because yeah, that's my kind of thing. Like, uh, like Paul, like for Newcross and B Sharp has offered me in the past, and I'm like, thank you very much. I uh, and I'll take it. But as it gets closer to the show, I'm like, are you sure? Are you selling enough tickets? I'm happy to yeah, buy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way I kind of try and do it. Yeah, I think it's different if I'm taking a photographer. Like, because, yeah, a photographer probably would want a pass, but I don't know. I yeah. mean, I'm... Uh, my photographer's Emma with her phone, yeah. so... <laughs> I'm quite happy with, to With DIY as it gets. Um, But one of the things that we have, because we... I don't know, do you get lots of stuff submitted to you still? Like, over email? Oh, loads. Loads. Like, what kind of volume are you talking? Uh, it depends. Like, I get a lot... I think I'm on a lot of email lists yeah. for, um, like, PR people. So I get lots of stuff that be honest but they rarely gets read <laughs> unless there's but because for me personally like I, I very much appreciate get people sending me stuff and wanting me to review yeah. it because as i say i'm just a, a chap with a blog but <laughs> a lot of my enjoyment from doing it does come from finding stuff myself that i really so, like i feel i have more passion for reviewing that stuff more often than not well you you do an awful lot as well and I think you've got to be passionate about whatever you're going for. For me, I'm really only interested in reviewing stuff that I've found myself. Like I like to go and discover stuff and then be like, oh, hey, guys, guys, look at this over here. Like, check this out. But I, I, there was a period where I was getting way too many emails to the point that I had to introduce a slightly arsey out of office on my account that just says, please stop contacting me. Or like, you know, we no longer accept submissions sort of thing. Um, and since I've done that, I have actually managed to cut it down a fair bit, but I still get, you know, 10, 20 a day sort of thing. I used to get like a hundred a day and that was, imagine wow. having the time. I never got to that, that volume. It was yeah. very weird. I don't know. It suddenly got really popular and then I kind of killed it a bit <laughs> deliberately, but it was, I, I, I'm, it, what person has the time to read that many emails? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought, have you got any advice that you would give to smaller bands to be helpful to people like bloggers or podcasters um, just to make our lives easier? Uh, so this year, call me Malcolm. God love them. Yeah. I think it's Lucius and Mark who, who put together the press kit. That's the best press kit I'd ever They received. do a bloody good was, press kit, don't they? It was because they're, they're grown ups. <laughs> <laughs> their their but, one for the last album was excellent as well. Yeah. Like, because that basically just gave, I mean, it, I mean, the one thing it did lack was lyrics, but their songs are quite, they're easy to make out the lyrics yeah, anyway. Yeah, for sure. So if I, it's just a case of having to actually write it rather than copying and pasting. But um, So what do you want from the perfect press kit? Oh, lyrics, number one, because, and then just background of the band, the names of the band members. Yeah. And just, if there's, if there's a theme to the songs of the album, include that. Yeah. For sure. Artwork's always lovely, like a good high quality artwork. Yeah, I think for me, lyrics are not important at all. I never look at them. Um, but you do more in depth reviews than I do. So, yeah. I think if you're not including lyrics, you should definitely include the like the themes of the songs. For sure. Yeah. I tend to, I think there's two different sections to it. So, in the initial email, in the first paragraph, I want to know what the name of the band is, where they're from what genre they play 
and any interesting information like were they in any other bands uh is there anything odd about this release like you know is it burnt tapes putting it on a tree that sort of thing um more because if i've got that volume of emails i want to be able to look at the first line and know immediately not necessarily whether it's right but whether it's wrong <laughs> so you know if someone sends me i, I say I, I had a period of getting sent lots of opera that was a thing. If you send me opera and tell me that in the first line, I'm just going to delete it. And that's fine. It helps me like run through it. Um, but yeah, I want to know all that information. And if that info is missing, I'm probably not going to take the time to read yeah. it. I think in the, just in the email, like subject bar, just put like the name of the band, the genres music it is. Yeah. Maybe the label. Yeah. Label, label definitely helps. Cause that always helps. If I see a label's on or a band is on like a label that I like, I'm more than likely to want to check that out. <laughs> yeah. I'm really but. specific about what format the music is sent in as well. I don't know. Do you, I think that different bloggers or podcasters want completely different formats. So I think it's actually important to provide a range. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah. What do you tend um, to use? I prefer MP3s because it just takes up less hard disk space for me. Oh like, God, yeah. But like I get sent wave like wave it's called wave. I learned that last year from doing a record label. I always thought it was a wave. Yeah, waves. <laughs> it's wave. Yeah. There we go. Something I've learned. Um, yeah, like if you want to send them, great. But because for my, I like because I'm not like a musical expert or anything. I'm not like a producer. I can't hear the tiny little details between an MP3 and a wave file. <laughs> so it doesn't make much difference to me. But it just MP3s take up less space on my hard drive. For sure. I think for me. Um... I don't want links to Spotify or anything like that. I don't mind a SoundCloud link, strangely, but I normally, I want MP3s to listen to. But if it's for the podcast, like a single, I want a wave because I need it to be high enough quality yeah. to include in it. Oh, yeah. For the, for the CPIW record, it's always wave files. Yeah, for sure. Because... Well, Bandcamp won't let me up for it, load an MP3. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So. so you want like, you know, yeah, so if it's a single for a podcast, I want a wave. But then there's another deeper level to that. And because I have quite a lot of, you know, waves and MP3s from different bands at different times, oh my God, label your bloody files. It annoys the <laughs> hell out of me. Like, <laughs> particularly with wave files, there's no tagged information. And I've got so many on my drive that just are like track one, track two, no band name. No name of the song, no name of the album. How am I supposed to define that from all the other ones out there? <laughs> um, so please, bands, please put your information. And if it's an MP3, make sure it's tagged. Like put the ID3 tags in so that we know what it is. Um, I still transfer stuff into like iTunes and it all just pops up into an untitled folder. And then yeah. I have to sift through it to try and work out which band's which. Yeah, that's uh, the trouble I have as well sometimes. Yeah um what i mean i'm very bad at getting things done before they're released because uh, well because the volume that oh, we yeah. get and how many i try and try and work through i am terrible at get, getting things unless you give it to me like two months beforehand it's not getting <laughs> yeah Cause, again because there's 11 of us as well yeah so we're, we're putting out quite a lot of stuff and we're, we're only doing three album reviews a week yeah so that's a hell so of a not lot just completely yeah Oh, yeah, because yeah, we used to sure. do top tens and gig reviews and stuff like that, but that's kind of slowed down just because with everything going on this year, I don't want to be pressuring people into doing stuff. No, I just think people blog. are slightly out of the mentality of it in a way. I always yeah. like your top tens, though. Yeah, I mean, 
I think for me, writing them myself, I think I've, I've run out of subjects. And I've used a <laughs> lot of bands over like the last almost like five and a half years now. Yeah. What other pitfalls do bands fall into? The, one of my like uh, bugbears is messaging me personally on Facebook when I ha- have an email address. That gets People on the nerves. podcast can't see this, but I'm nodding heavily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I. I mean, I think if it's a case of I know you personally, and you're a you're a pal, I don't mind so much. But if it's someone who sort of added me with the reason of, then uh, okay, please review my stuff. It, like it can get a bit much. I I find it frustrating when people message me on Facebook to ask me to do things like that. But it's not that it's in itself offensive, but. In my emails, I can organize which ones I've already looked at, which ones I've not done. I can put them into subfolders and I can categorize them and stuff like that so I can manage it. Whereas if it comes through to my Facebook inbox, there's a good chance I will look at it on my phone and then I will forget about it forever. <laughs> like just because it will you yeah. know, it will just slip my mind. You know, I might look at it while I'm out or I'm at work. It's not that I don't yeah. have a dedicated amount of time to look at that. And therefore it kind of gets lost in the inbox. And then I feel bad because I've been a bit of a dick by either not replying or completely forgetting to listen to it. It's a thing. Whereas if it's in my inbox, I have like, you know, I'll sit down for an hour and look at that. Yeah, that's why I agree with that. Like a lot of, because of the, I I get a lot of emails and messages and whatnot. And again, I'm not moaning. I appreciate people wanting to to cover them. It's amazing because... I don't, I don't understand why, but <laughs> it's like, okay, because I, I, I work full time. I have other like interests outside of doing Collins Front Rock World. Yes. I mean, less so now because Nothing's I happening. can't go to gigs <laughs> uh, or, or go and play football, which are my two sort of activities during the week. I've now have an addiction to football manager, which isn't, <laughs> it takes up too much of to, uh, my time, but, but yeah, so. The other thing I would say, don't message a message a message. Be patient. Oh God! Because yes. I do this. We do these things in our free time. Yeah, and we and don't always is, have. That essentially, much it's a time. hobby. And I don't like to be nagged at a hobby. No. <laughs> I do this. We do this. Like part of it is to give back, but it's also because it's for fun. And if it's not fun, then it's, why? Why do it? Exactly. And, and if it, I get nagged, I don't like getting nagged. I love. I'm 34 years old now. <laughs> I I love being sent new music. It's really wonderful, and I love it when I get time to listen to it. But sometimes it just it takes me a while to get round to it, and that's the nature of things. And it's never anything malicious or negative on our part. But sometimes it can just be hard to fit everything in, you know. Um, but yeah, when someone double triple messages, it makes you feel really bad. Like yeah, yeah. There, there is one. I won't say the band because I actually really love the band and they're wonderful people. But they had a PI person, a PR person they were working with, who messaged me so many times about like reviewing the album, which I was more than happy to do. I was excited to do it. it was just time, yeah. And sort of like, so I got that done, like posted it. Share. They didn't even share it. After oh no! Bugging me so much to do it. <laughs> I was like, I am not doing any. Whatever band is on works with this PR guy again, I am not doing anything for them. Because <laughs> I was just because this was this was like right at the beginning of lockdown as well when things were quite stressful. I was still working, like I work in retail. Yeah, so. and obviously that was when everyone was panic buying and 
we're supposed to be doing essential shopping and and I was seeing coming people coming out of just like a melon or something <laughs> ridiculous. So it, it wasn't a good time. Yeah. So then me getting pestered by this person to like, can you review that? Have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? Like, leave me alone. Yeah, it can be a bit much. I just their press. I've, I'm, I'm being, this is the most I've moaned on the internet ever. But um, <laughs> get it all like, out. Their press thing. The first thing they sent was it wasn't even like a proper PDF file or anything like that. It was literally just a word file yeah. with about fifty words on. Oh, shit. Yeah, just like go away. Yeah, I think the reminder is that we're not professionals at this. Um, you know, it's not our job. We're not getting paid for it. It's a fun thing that we do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you don't want it to become like a job at all. But, you know, still, it's so wonderful. And I'm so glad to still be able to do things like podcasts and keep engaged yeah. with the scene, even when it's not really, there's not a lot happening at the moment, is there? No. Like, I've been surprised by the amount of bands who have been still been putting stuff out this year. Yeah. Especially, so many. like, because I imagine most of the stuff coming out now, in my head, would have been recorded sort of in lockdown? the beginning of the year. Maybe. Yeah. yeah or in lockdown. Yeah. I suppose some people have still been going into the studio. At different times. Yeah, if I, I guess I know in England, obviously we've had like we, when we had the first initial lockdown, like all the studios would have been closed. Yeah. But I guess abroad, it's been different, different yeah. rules, so they've been able to. I really hope that people do their stuff. Use some of the lockdown time to do some writing, and I think that there were a few bands that went into the studio over the summer. So we should be getting some cool stuff yeah. out. I'm guessing towards like the beginning of next year, kind of or around oh. April. It's difficult because if you're if you're working in kind of like the PR end or if you're working with a label, then they'll want to have an event to tag the release onto. So normally you'd organise a release around a tour, uh, which you can't do, you know, but you'd be missing yeah. the opportunity to really get your album out there as well as you could without live shows to support it. I think yeah. I did wonder because there's a couple of bands that I know recorded well over a year ago, like two year and a half two years ago and they're sitting on a, their releases they were going to do them in may and they're just holding off until they can promote them properly yeah so i know well see this is a big band rather than like a diy band but less than jake yeah i've been following i'm a big fan of less than jake no shame about it <laughs> um they um had they were due to release their album like in i think it was either like the late part of the summer is sort of, sort of autumn october sort of time and they've yeah. sort of because they were hoping to tour europe then obviously that got cancelled yeah. and now so now they're just like sod it we'll do it in december and hopefully people will buy it and hopefully we can tour it next year <laughs> which i assume as a lot of bands that will probably will be thinking let's Okay, let's just get it out now. Yeah, I don't so know what still my current. I guess I don't know what my top ten records is going to be this year. I've not listened to as much new stuff. Yeah, I, I was. I've been thinking about mine recently, and I thought like, I don't think like in my head, it's not been a classic year for like really really good albums. Then I sort of went through like what I've reviewed this year and like what has been released, and actually, in fact. There has been a lot of very good albums, but I think because well, obviously we haven't had shows to go to, yeah, you haven't yeah. been able to connect to those albums like you would in the past. I think you're like, right. I think Call Me Malcolm is a very good example for me. Like they released um, "I Was Broken" when you got here. When uh, I got when you got here, when I got that you got when I was broken when you got here. It's I or you. I always get confused. Who it's knows? actually on the sticker right in front of me. Yeah, I was broken when you got here. You're yes. right. <laughs> um 
Yeah, because obviously they 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 toured to that album to death. I have such a connection with that album now. Yeah, of course. So then they released uh, Me, Myself and Something Else this year and obviously haven't been able to see anything from it live and maybe haven't connected it to it as much. Same. Yeah. But I then so. I, when I was listening to it, like bef- when they first sent it to me, I actually think it's a better album than uh, Broken. I think it's But because I haven't seen it live... Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I've got the connection. I feel because they have played a few songs off the new album before they released it live, haven't they? So I'm thinking when they played "Do It Together" first, I think there were a couple of tracks. I don't think they did. did. They not. We'll have to. I quiz think them. they. I think they. I think they planned to because they're a ska band and they take forever to set up. <laughs> and it was like quite a lot. It was like they're like the third band from the end, maybe. I think they played after tapes, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then, so I think the day was probably running late at that point. Anyway, I think they had to cut a song or two out of their set. Yeah, it's odd actually because uh, might have been so. So do it together first. We put on together with Paul Smith back in January, and it's been odd because I know for a lot of people that was like the last gig that they went to, or last big gig that they went to. So I'm so glad that we ended up doing that at the time when we did. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a strange timing. But I almost like to think that if this hadn't all happened, that we might be planning another one right now. Like this time of year yeah, is when we'd have been doing. People did it. seem to want another one. Yeah, I, th- I feel like we I could mean, do I, it again. I, I think in my kind of head, like because that was the first thing I've, time I've ever had any hand in. Pro- I, I wouldn't say I did. Like you and uh, Paul, you did, did a lot of the work of the as work. well. I did a lot of communicating with Emma to help with the artwork and. Um, but that was like that was my only part of promoting a gig, and that was a massive success. And I kind of like one and done. Am I going to top this? Probably not. <laughs> I should just quit while I'm ahead. I thought the last band that played were Lightyear, and they were saying to us beforehand yeah. that it was definitely their last ever show. And I'm like, what if it actually was? What if after all of Lightyear's last ever shows, we got Lightyear's last ever show? So what was really cool about having Lightyear? Because <laughs> obviously the year, like in November the year before, they did like the tour with Real Big Fish. Yeah. And most of the lineup was stand-ins. It was, I think it was only Chaz, uh, Neil, and Jim. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But for our show, the only stand-in was Bob on drums. Yee. We had like pretty much proper light year. I think you're right. Yeah, we had proper light year, didn't we? Which is kind of really, really cool. <laughs> F, 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 F the big tour, the little DIY yes. show in New Cross. That's... Yes. And it was delightfully messy. <laughs> it, it was complete madness. Um, Chris Fishlock has actually written sort of a review of it for the new Paper Cuts book that I'm working on. And I had thought, I was, oh, do you know wow. what? I was really hoping that someone would review it because <laughs> normally it would be you or I that reviewed a gig. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think we have got a review, but it will be printed in Paper Cuts. Yeah. I was surprised that Matt or Mackie didn't do it because they both went. Ah, they were too busy having fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was so nice to see those guys. That was like the best thing about Do It Together Fest. I mean, all the bands were fantastic, but you got like got to see so many friends from like like obviously Forever and Glean were there from Denmark, so we got to hang out with them. And like, yeah, Joelle came over from Belgium. Yeah, yeah. and Miriam. It's just well. like the like yeah oh yeah yeah there's like even like the Scottish pals and like oh yeah Matt from PMX and... literally flew all the way down um basically to see Forever and Clean and turned up at midday wow. and then left at midnight. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, no, it's like, like so Brian good. and uh, Cat come down as well from Scotland. Oh, of course, yeah. 
Oh, it so. was such a good time. And that will be the last yeah. time that we see anyone until after the apocalypse has lifted. Um, I don't know. I was like one of my last gigs before the thing, everything ended. Um, well, it's like we, I had a weekend where we had like the Pope's of Chili Town and Easy Dead were playing in Bedford. Yeah. And then the, the day after was the MPF thing at Signature Brew. Nice. So that was like we got to see like uh, uh, Bev didn't come down, but we got to see like uh, Tree and Kieran and Andy and like nice. some of the MPF crew, which was really That's nice because especially because at that point MPF wasn't cancelled. <laughs> and then yeah, the, the day after. The day after that, it was like the Barstool Preachers were playing New Cross with Nosebleed. Oh, amazing. So yeah, we got like a really good weekend and then everything stopped. But Oh, that's brilliant. That sounds like such a good weekend. I, I didn't have anything of the sort. I can't remember what I was doing. Working, probably. Um, but no, it's been... Oh, I can't... This is getting me so excited for when it all actually comes back. It's going to be great to finally get everywhere. Um, but in the meantime, we shall keep plodding on. Um, yes. it's been really wonderful talking to you Colin like what is there anything coming up with Colin's punk rock world that you'd like people to know about um, well we're still putting out reviews we'll be doing our end of year lists yep at the end of or before Christmas <laughs> um, we've got what have we been doing we've got the record let's EPRW records we're not releasing anything else this year but we've got we've released six things this year which I was not planning on doing he's been really doing, busy but... I don't stop. I can't. If I stop, then I'll realise how bad the world is. And I like to be focused on doing things productive. So I find if I, if I, if I have something to aim for, it's very good for my mental health. That's really important. And then we've also started a podcast because that's what all the cool kids are doing these Hells days. Yeah, yeah I've just, which I've just kind of realised is a really good way of just talking to my mates. 100%. And keep, and and again, feeling like I'm doing something productive. Oh, that's amazing. Honestly, um, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Like, it's been really, really nice. Thank you nice to have for a proper asking catch me. up. No, no worries. I think that but, I imagine over the next few weeks, there's going to be a few pod swaps between uh, different folks in the scene. Um, so I'm quite yeah, looking forward so to hearing this, all this. Uh, as you know, this afternoon, I am recording with Mike and Paul. So. Yeah, I know. And I bet you that you'll have that out before I put this out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't edit mine because I go with sounding rubbish and hopefully it's charming. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's not about the editing. I've just I've actually got two episodes that I've edited and not put out yet because I have no organisation. But, you know, it's fine. People listen to it when they listen to it. It'll be all good. Um, so shall we play a track to play us out? What else did you select? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Free Dogs. Free Dogs. Yeah. So tell me about them. Um I found them. I think I found them on Twitter. They like liked a bunch of like stuff I was uh, posting on there. Then I thought, oh, what a free dogs! So then I checked them out on Bandcamp. Cool. And I thought this band are amazing, but they don't have like a Facebook page or a Spotify. <laughs> so they're like really, really like, like I guess it's like with most bands, it's just a hobby. But I wish more people would know about them because I think they're a really good band. Yeah. There's only, there's only two of them. One's based in Leeds, and the other is based in Amsterdam. Cool. So I don't know how that works, if they're ever going to be able to do shows or if they have play shows, but... We shall find out. So check them out anyway, because they're really oh, good. Oh, well, this is a great opportunity for people to listen to some new stuff then. Okay, so we're going to play Free Dogs, The Moon and My Friends, I believe. Um, but yeah, yes. Colin, it's really, really, really nice to have you on. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to talk and, uh, to you. Hopefully... It's been too long. <laughs> yeah, way too long. And hopefully I'll see you down the front.
Thank you so much to Colin for coming on the podcast today. It was really enjoyable to chat to you. I highly recommend that everyone go and check out his website, collinspunkrockworld.blogspot.com. There's a raft of reviews and recommendations on there, and he's recently done, well, not just him, him and his whole team have recently done their top recommendations for the releases of 2020. So it's a great opportunity to go and figure out what you've missed and give it a listen. I've also done mine. I put together a playlist of all the top releases that I think have come out in 2020 and I wrote a little bit about them as well. You can find that over at shout-louder.com or just search for Shout Louder on Spotify and it should turn up. I thought I'd put it into a playlist because, you know what, right now I don't have the mental energy to go through and read loads and loads of recommendations. I just want to listen to some new music and I hope that you guys do as well. I hope that you've all made it through this year relatively unscathed. It has been a difficult one, but there has been some really good punk rock. And actually something that's come out of it is that there are some great podcasts as well. A lot of my punk friends have put together podcasts, including Colin, who's got his own podcast lined up, which I will be a guest on in the near future because... Pod swaps are what we do now instead of gig swaps. <laughs> Why not? Um, but yeah, I highly recommend you go and check out his podcast. Um, as I say, have a look at Shout Louder. Our big news for the year is that I've been working on a book called Paper Cuts. If you remember, I released the first book, which was Paper Cuts 1, effectively, uh, in January this year. I released that in time for Do It Together Fest, and it was amazing, the response that it got. It sold out really quickly, um, and I had so many authors or contributors who wanted to be involved that I couldn't fit everybody in and although we came up with a great book you know it's like it's a hundred pages of photography and stories about music and although that was cool I just I really felt like I could do better so what I've done is I've done another one and I've tried to make it the bigger better version of the original it's a proper 200 page sewn bound book uh, that I'm currently desperately waiting to get back from the printers but it's got contributions for over 50 different writers and photographers and some artwork as well. Most of it is from people in the kind of UK DIY punk scene, but there's a lot from further afield as well. And there's some great stories about traveling, about mishaps of things that have happened on tour. It's all celebrating the gigs, festivals and tours that we've missed in 2020. So if you want to have a read of that, all of the profits are going to the Music Venue Trust to try and help keep our venues alive in this horrendous situation we've gotten ourselves into um but yeah you can find that over on our big cartel page which is shoutlouder.bigcartel.com uh it's just less than a tenner and as i say every single penny of that goes to keeping grassroots venues open so if you fancy supporting it please do that would be wonderful uh if you've enjoyed the podcast give it a share give it a like tell me what you think any feedback is great but to be honest i just really have been enjoying the opportunity to chat to my friends uh, especially when we can't see each other in person. In the meantime, I miss you all, and I hope to see you down the front. 